It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't have a uh, a fun little cold, cold open for you today because, well, this weekend sucked. Third down's an issue. Billy Napier needs to hire an offensive coordinator, and the defense can't carry the team every single week. We're going to talk about it all here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Not Victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports Giants Country NFL 33. Um, I am pretty pissed. Uh, pretty pissed. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you there. Uh, but before I tell you about that, today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers bet $5, get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started with that. But uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of things to be frustrated about. And, and Florida Gators fans are very vocal when they're frustrated. And that's one of the reasons that it 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 seems to just avalanche all at once is that the Florida Gators fan base is very vocal when things are going great Florida Gators fans are just oh yeah screw you buddy we're top we're, we're the best who cares and when things are going poorly oh man they feel like they're going really bad and sometimes they are one of the biggest issues that Florida Gators fans have been having since last year really with Billy Napier and, and this regime or, or the offensive play calling issues, specifically on third down, oftentimes. Went back and watched the game. If you don't know, I uh, watched the I watched every Florida game four times minimum. And this is one of the most frustrating ones that I've watched. Looking at how third down play calls went and all credit for this specific topic to Allie Peak. Um because because she brought up you know third down play calls, they suck. And when you look at the Florida Gators third down play calling against Kentucky, third and 18 designed run. And, and we'll circle back to that one a little bit. But third and 18 designed run. Third and five, the pass to Arliss Boardingham that was intercepted. That was I understand Arliss should have caught it. At the same time, it was a bad throw. Like, that, that is Graham Mertz's fault. He threw it too high when you have a defender behind Arliss and a defender to each side of Arliss. You got to throw that thing, like, in his gut. That has to hit him in the torso so that he could reel it in through contact. That's not what happened. Yes, the ball was too high. Yes, the ball hit Arliss Boardingham in the hands, and he probably should have came down with it. But when when there's that much traffic, really hard to come down with it. So third and five, that would have been a first down. It, it was past the six. Third and six, pass for a first down. Third and one, run for a first down. Third and 18, Graham Mertz runs the ball, but it's a called passing play, and he scrambles and, and picks up just a couple yards there. 
third and four, Florida ran the ball. They were in like the, the 40-ish range, their own 40-ish. And so they run the ball there. I think the plan was run the ball and then go for it on fourth. And of course, because you're you're in that spot where where you can do that. Like between the 40s is like green area for for if you want to go for it, go for it. Uh, so I think that the plan was third and four, run for it, pick up a few yards, maybe get the first down, and then, yeah, go go for it on fourth if you don't get it. However, they lost yardage. I think they lost two. Um, and, and so then you, you can't go for it at that point on fourth and six. Third and 12, pass for a first down to Khalil Jackson, right past the first down markers. He did a great job of running the curl and stopping the route behind the first down marker enough where when he turned around, he he was still behind the first down marker and converted there. Uh, third and 16, there was a pass for a gain of nine to Ricky Pearsall. However, it was a check down. Like, like Graham Mertz went through the reads. There was nobody open. So he took Ricky Pearsall in the flat there. Third and five, pass play called. Graham Mertz scrambles, does not pick up the first down. I think he picked up two. And if I'm not mistaken, Micah Mizuka was blocking his guy basically a little bit past the line of scrimmage. Um, and he did not hold the block long enough, which, I mean, you're in pass pro that long. It's fine that you don't hold the block for six seconds or whatever it is. Um, Grammar scrambles, does not get the first down. Third and two, run for a gain of one, which sucks. But again, this was one of those instances where Florida ran the ball on third and short, knowing that if they didn't convert, they were planning on going for it. That third and two, they ran the ball for a gain of one. They ended up punting because they lined up to go for it on fourth down. <clears throat> excuse me, on fourth down, they lined up to go for it. And there was that play where like the defensive lineman went into the neutral zone. Micah Mazuka flinched and they called it a false start on Micah, which is the wrong call. That should have been a neutral zone infraction 10 times out of 10. Um, again, not, not that that was like the deciding factor of the game, but that drive shouldn't have stalled there. They should have at least gotten the fourth and one opportunity. Didn't get it there. Third and one QB sneak for a first down third and nine, uh, a run with Trevor Etienne. He picked up six ish. And then that's when Graham Mertz threw it to Arliss Boardingham short of the first down marker. And they got stopped there on fourth down. He threw it to Arliss Boardingham who did not run the route behind the first down marker. And so that was the case there. Third and 11 check down to Trevor Etienne, followed by a Trevor Etienne fourth down run for a loss. And I say this, I, I went through every third down there because I think context matters. The, the you know, the third and 18, Mertz runs, but it was a called pass play. Third and four, you run the ball. You were hoping to pick up a couple and then go for it, I believe. It got stopped for a loss. Third and two, you run for a gain of one. Then the false start when you were going to go for it on fourth down. Um, third and 16, you you pick up nine yards on the ground. You pick up nine yards in the air, which is obviously not good on third and 16. But the play call was designed to go farther than that. The issue is why are you in so many Third and five, or, or third and 10, third and 15, third and 18. Why are you in that situation so much? 
that that's the real issue. Because you have to accept when it's third and 15, third and 18, third and 12, third and 16, the odds of you converting that are so slim anyway. I'm more mad about being in that situation multiple times than I am about any individual play call on those downs. Because I don't care if you run the ball or throw the ball. I don't care if you throw the ball past the first down marker or you throw it short. I don't care about any of that. Because you shouldn't be in that situation as often as the Florida Gators are in that situation. Like, I don't hate the third down run calls half the time. And I want to make this one clear right now. I'm not saying that I support these calls. I'm not saying that I love these calls. I'm telling you that I think this is the mindset behind those calls and why I don't hate them. I don't love them, but I don't hate them. And I know that there are a lot of Florida Gators fans, including listening, um, that think this is, is a coward's play. On third and long, it's so unlikely to complete a pass because defenses get to just go, basically, we could just go, hey, yeah, we're going to rush four, drop seven with, you know, basically the entire line, the entire defense dropping towards the first down marker. And their whole goal is even if you do complete a pass, they stop you for, they stop you uh, short of the first down marker. I think that's the plan of running it. Like, like analytically, it's not, it's not fun. It's not sexy. uh, It's not the play that we want. Analytically, it's the right call. In terms of EPA and success rate, you're better off running the football in those third and very longs than you are in throwing it. That's just, again, that's not me supporting it. That's not me loving it or anything like that. It's me saying that that's my, that's why I think the thought process is what it is at that point. Again, it's not fun that it's like, oh, third and 18, we ran the ball, which by the way, I think the plan is pick up a couple yards and punt it, live to fight another day, get yourself in better position to punt or break those for a long run, which by the way, the first drive Montreal Johnson did break a third and long run, but there was a receiver holding call. He did break the run for the first down. There was a receiver holding call. Um, and that brought it back. And so that, that's like the thought process. I think at least again, I'm not saying I support the calls. I'm just saying context matters on some of these things. Like, yes, third and 18 was a run play, but it was a pass play call that Graham Mertz then kept himself. Yes, third and 16 was a pass short of the six. That was not the intention. That was a check down when there was nobody else open. Would you rather Graham Mertz just stand back there and get sacked and then now it's fourth and 22 and you're punting from even farther away? I don't, I, again, like I know that people are not going to hear me saying this and they're just going to hear me, you know, bring up what happened and, and not bash it. Um, I don't support those calls or I don't necessarily love those calls. There we go. I don't, I don't love those calls, but I understand them. And I think that's an important part here when you do want to criticize Billy Napier because it is so deserved. Like, like the, the bashing is very deserved in some of these situations. It's just very important to also remember context does matter 
when you're talking about these kinds of things. And, and I think that's an important part to consider in this matter. Uh, I'll, I'll, in the description, I'll post the link to where I was show like what I was referring to. And I said, analytics matter in those situations and analytics say running the football is a better decision. Um, so I'll post the link in the description there, but yes, analytics say run the ball there because you're probably not getting it throwing the football. And if you have an incompletion, you not only stop the clock and give the team and give the opposing team more time for our drive, but you're also punting from further back in your own territory or from wherever you are. That's if you run the ball, probably a better situation because teams are so focused on stopping the pass that running should get you uh, a few extra yards there. But we are about to talk more about Billy Napier and he needs to hire an offensive coordinator, an offensive play caller at that point. But before we do that, now it's time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company. And for the second week in a row, I don't think the Florida Gators had a player worthy of being called a game changer the same way that athletic brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Like they make non-alcoholic beers that taste good. I don't know who did something where like they really outperformed their expectations of the week or they, they did anything crazy this week. So yeah, I can't give you a game changer. You can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off uh, at athleticbrewing.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait, find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Lockdown Gators Discord links in the description below. Every Friday at 11 a.m., you might be getting, or 11 a.m. Eastern time, you might be getting notification that Lockdown Gators is going live. That's because on every single Lockdown College channel, we go live. Um, I am not on camera every week, just know that. But I am behind the scenes every week. I produce the show. So Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. Talk about college football across the nation. I was there this past weekend. Um, didn't go well for me, by the way. But, hey, check it out. I would appreciate it. And, yeah, just know that's me behind the camera doing doing the work there. But now we are talking about the Florida Gators and Billy Napier. You need to hire an offensive play caller, offensive coordinator. I don't care what it is. I know that last year I was saying, hey, don't hire an offensive coordinator because that means that you have to fire Rob Sale or, the, or not that you have to fire Rob Sale, that you run the risk of losing Rob Sale because he would no longer be the offensive coordinator for the team, even though that, that's more title and salary than anything else. Um, I don't care that much now about it because the offensive line's not been playing great, and they've honestly been the weakest part of this offense, and they've been a big part of why this offense sucks sometimes. Um, I will say I'm not out on 
Billy Napier at all, really. I'm I'm not going to pretend that I'm suddenly out because of this game and that we had this conversation in the Lockdown Gators Discord um, during the game and, and after the game. I don't care to have the conversation of, is it time to move on from Billy Napier right now? Because I know that at the absolute minimum, nothing would happen until after the year. So I feel like that's wasting time to just be like, oh, let's have this conversation of something that we know isn't going to happen. Um, so that's why I'm like, I don't even care to have the conversation. My confidence has obviously um, shrunk a bit, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really like, I'll fire anybody. I don't like to call for people's jobs. You guys know that. Um, and if you don't know that, now you do. I, I don't take that lightly. Uh, I realize it's very easy to go on Twitter and be like, fire these people. I can't do that um, just because I understand that that's a bold, strong statement to make. I will say Billy Napier, as much as I, I love some of the things that he does, like recruiting wise and then all that, he is not capable of running this program at a high level as a CEO type while also running a functional offense and a productive offense. And as the head coach, you can't hire someone that is supposed to run this team as a CEO type because that's you. And so I think the only alternative is Billy Napier needs to bring in an offensive play caller, offensive coordinator, whatever it is, promote someone from within. I don't care. I don't think that you promote someone from within this season. And not that I'm saying I think it's a bad idea to do that. I'm saying I don't think Florida does that. So I'm again, that's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think I should waste my time. Um, I do think that the best option is to go external and bring someone into the program. So that that would be my uh, my guess, my suggestion. My biggest issue, by the way, is not with the scheme. Honestly, my biggest issue with, or my, my, I think the best argument you can make for Billy Napier needs to hire an offensive coordinator is not the scheme. I understand it's not the most fun scheme on the planet, but it has its place. It has its good strengths and its tendencies where you go, okay, it can work. It's not, but it can work. It's not with the play calling itself. It's that the Florida Gators under Billy Napier are one and seven on the road. Okay. One and seven on the road. It is just, just far too often that this team comes out flat, completely flat. That's the bigger issue. Like, like that's what it is because you have to have these guys ready to go. And for whatever reason, that hasn't been the case since Billy Napier was hired to be the uh, to be the head coach of the Florida Gators. If Billy Napier spends less time focusing on trying to run an offense and trying to game plan the offense, which I think he does spend a lot of time on, because usually Florida's scripted plays are pretty pretty solid. So I think that Billy Napier does a pretty good job of game planning for a strong start, at least just offense driving downfield. Um, but it's after that that he he I think lacks in in creativity, and so team can't come out flat. You do a great job of helping game plan, but 
you need to make sure this team is ready. And Billy Napier has not been able to do that. And as the head coach, that should be your priority, making sure that your guys are ready to play. You can hire an offensive coordinator to do the game planning, to, to have the scripted plays. You could still help with that. But you get to spend more time making sure that your team is ready to play here. And I think that's been a big issue. And that's just, that's not even talking about the, the personnel issues there on this offense. Just, just from the top down, the coaching staff, you have to take the accountability there. I don't care what Napier's saying in the press conference about, oh, like, well, things are working and the people who, some of the people who disagree just don't, they don't know ball, um, is basically what he said. And he's not wrong. Some of the arguments don't make sense. Uh, so some of the arguments don't make sense. Some of the people making those arguments they don't know ball. There are plenty of things to take shots at for Florida here. Some of the arguments don't make a ton of sense. Like, I, I don't think you can say, oh, this scheme just cannot work. I think it can. It's not. And I think a big part of that is the offensive line is not good enough. Can't run block, which is the thing that we all thought, hey, pass blocking is going to be rough, but run blocking should be fine. Can't run block. It sucks. Uh, unless you're playing Tennessee, apparently. Can't run block. That constantly leaves the offense in those third and long situations where we know things have not been going well and things aren't going to go well. Simply, if Billy Napier insists on going, hey, we're going to run again, I, I understand. But if, if he insists on going like, hey, we're going to do these things and the offensive line is making it even more difficult, whether it's poor blocking, whether it's um, just... I don't even know what, to, just like the penalties, the dumb, dumb, dumb things that they do at some points. If the offensive line's not good enough, you can't overcome some of those things. And and so I, I don't think that this is like, oh, the scheme can't work because conceptually it can. Con conceptually it can be fine. It's just you don't have the personnel to do it. And frankly, Billy Napier's not good enough at executing it as an offensive play caller. So there's kind of a lot lacking here. Um, and and that's what sucks. We are about to look at the defense because the defense had their worst game since Austin Armstrong was hired as the defensive coordinator of the Florida Gators. But before we get into that, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed whether you win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use. You can bet on a lot, like so many things. Like you can bet on every team in the 1 p.m. window to score a touchdown. Every team in the 1 p.m. window to kick a field goal. Every team in the 1 p.m. window to kick a touchdown, to uh, kick a field goal and score a touchdown. It's fun stuff. You could also be like me and bet Christian McCaffrey two touchdowns, which did cash um, yesterday. So there's that. Anthony Richardson rushing yards. I, I bet over 43 and a half. I had Josh Downs over 32 and a half receiving yards. All of those cashed. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season right. And remember that FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. NCAA tournament is almost here and 
listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day, every day. We are available daily and free reference in the podcast. And we're going to wrap this up talking about the defense here. Um, like I said, this was the worst defensive showing we've seen from the 2023 Florida Gators. I think that a lot of it was due to their inexperience. And I think it, I think it just really showed. Like, uh, let's let's start off with this. They just didn't come to play. Let, let's lead off with that one. They didn't come to play. And by they, I do mean the defense. But I also mean the entire team didn't come to play. And like I just mentioned, last segment, that's on that's on Billy Napier. I understand that Austin Armstrong is the defensive coordinator. Not having your team mentally ready to play, that's on Billy Napier. And I know that during the week, Billy Napier was, during last week, Billy Napier was very vocal about not liking the noon kickoff time against Kentucky. I don't know what it is um, about that noon kickoff time that he didn't like. I, I don't get it. Uh, frankly, you show up and you play a football game when you're told to play a football game. I understand you you may have some preferences, but it doesn't matter what time the game would have been played because this team has not been able to go on the road and show up at all, really. Tennessee last year on the road was a great game. But aside from that, it's been very rare that this team shows up on the road ready to play. So I don't care what time they're playing. They tell you, hey, your game's at noon. Show up at noon. They tell you, hey, you're in the 3.30 slot. Show up at three. Show up to play at the 3.30 slot. I don't care if they go, hey, Nate, game's at 5 a.m. You show the hell up and you play that game at 5 a.m. Simple as that. Look at freaking, uh, what was it? South Carolina, uh, Southern California, and Colorado. They played at like a, a what was it nine nine Central or nine Pacific time on Saturday. That was a great freaking game. Like like it was like what 48, 41? or, or like, come on, it doesn't matter what time you're told to play. Um, yes, defense didn't back to the defense. Defense didn't come to play. Offense didn't come to play. Defense didn't come to play. Inexperience really showed. And we talked about this on the postcasts after the game where we've been live and and I was working with the little the little notepad here and I'm just going to use the same drawing. I'm not going to pretend that I'm drawing it. Um, but we have these two plays here that really kicked the crap out of Florida. Up here is pin pull. Down here is GT counter. Granted, there are many variations of them. Uh, you can have counter the GH, which is your your guard and your tight end, your H running. Uh, you could have pin pull that here in the drawing has the tackle and the center pulling. You can pull three people. You can pull whoever you want. As long as that tight end pins down the side, which is right there, that tight end pins down the edge, and then the offensive linemen run outside there, and then they're lead blocking. And counter here, you got the line blocking down, and then you have the guard and the tackle pulling out wide. You can, th those are fantastic, just, just run schemes. Um, Florida doesn't do as much of the pin pull stuff, but they do work GT counter. 
have a GT and GH counter where what they destroyed Tennessee with, they should do it more frequently. And I think that that's a better approach for how some of these things should go, especially with the current offensive line personnel. But with those kinds of concepts, with the pulling, with the pulling offensive linemen, I almost said just pulling guard, but you know, you could pull tackle, pull center. With the pulling offensive linemen, I think a lot of that comes down on being able to read what's happening, identify the weak spot of it, and attack it. That's where I think the inexperience really came into play. Because as good as Scooby Williams has been this year, as good as Shamar James has been this year, as good as Jordan Castell has been this year, they are all relatively inexperienced. Jordan Castell is just straight up, not even relative. He's inexperienced. He's a true freshman playing his fifth game of the year, fifth game of his college career. He's inexperienced. And a lot of high school teams don't run that successfully, so they don't run that. So for a lot of these guys, this is their first time really getting experience seeing that kind of uh, that kind of blocking scheme kind of show up. And it showed they did not come to play. On top of that, they were not quick enough mentally to identify what was happening to them and attack it and stop it. And that was really what killed. That's why Ray Davis had the best game of his career. That's why Ray Davis almost set a Kentucky record. If I was Mark Stoops, I would have kept Ray Davis in late in that game. And I would have said, hey, man, try to get that record. He was 19 yards away, I think it was. And, and they didn't go for it, I would have said, hey, do it. Like that would have added so much to the rivalry of, yeah, not only did we just destroy you, but we just set a school record in rushing yards against you with, a, with our just lead back. Florida had no answer for it. And I said this on Saturday's show where it was like 2021 LSU. And 2021 LSU, they came out and they ran that, that counter trap the whole damn game, and Tyrion Davis, Tyrion Davis Price just annihilated this defense. And a lot of that game was on poor linebacker play. A lot of this game was on poor linebacker play. Again, Scooby and Shamar have been phenomenal this season. This was their first crappy game. That's why I have such a hard time being so, so, so angry. I'm fed up with what's happened on the offensive side of the ball because there's been consistent issues. This is the first time the defense showed up and crapped the bed. I have a hard time really ripping into them for that. It's as simple as that. They played a bad game, yeah, but they've been stellar up until then. I'm not going to kill them for it. Jason Marshall Jr. is having a rough go of things this year. Uh, you look at the Utah game, he was, I mean, I understand it was cover one and RJ Moten came down to cover for Miguel Mitchell. And then it was just left in an odd spot. And RJ Moten took out Jason Marshall Jr. But Jason Marshall got beat on that play. Okay. Like he was close to making the play, but if he hadn't gotten beat, you know what he would have done? Made the play. So he got beat on that. Tennessee, easy touchdown. He bit on the double move. I don't know what his press technique was there, but oh my God, it was ugly. It was ugly. Uh, it, it was a reach, and he got beat. And then you look at the Kentucky game. He got beat for a few first downs. In the end zone, there was, you know, he he got uh, the, the DPI, I believe it was, in the end zone. Probably would have been a touchdown if he didn't have that. He dropped the pick six, which, like, way to put yourself in position to make a play. 
But if you don't make the play, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, having a rough go of things, he has not been living up to the hype that was placed upon him prior to this season, which is a discussion that we had here that I just don't think it's possible for him to live up to some of the hype that he had. But I also just don't think that he's been particularly great this year. Um, whether it's man's, it doesn't matter. I don't think he's been great this year. It's been it's been rough for three out there. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Also, sorry, before I even knew that, pass rush was nowhere to be found, by the way. Um, I get it. You didn't have to rush the passer. You didn't have many opportunities to rush the passer. Um, in fact, let's see how many. Let's just check real quick how many true pass sets there even were in this game. Because a lot of what Kentucky did when they threw the ball was quick game. Like, like they win quick game a lot. Uh, Florida somehow has a 90.9 overall grade on, on pro football focus right now, um, which is astonishing. Let's just get what, what, where is that rank? It's not great, but it, it's my, my schools, my schools, Florida is the 34th best team in the country right now. Toledo is 35th. Um, let's see how many true pass sets there were in that game. Because, yeah, like I said, it was rough, but tackling sucked for Florida. Florida had like 24 or 27 missed tackles going into the game. Uh, they had 19 alone in that game. But also, let's see now, Kentucky's passing attack. Um, this pass rush was non-existent. Kentucky had 20 pass plays right where they dropped back to pass. Of those, uh, I, I think like, what, 10? were true pass sets, and that is, I mean, of, of those four, four were true pass sets. Four were true pass sets. There wasn't, there weren't many opportunities to generate a pass, pass rush, but when given the opportunity, this team did not do it. It was rough. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, every day. We are available daily and free revenues in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked On Gators talk more about this game and, and overcoming it. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And as always, I will see you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.